Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey all you budding adventurers, my name's James and welcome to the first episode of the 95 ADV podcast where we talk affordable and accessible adventure bike riding. With me is my regular co-host Ross, how are you today? Yeah, very well James, very well. How have you been the last week? Uh, struggling, I'm back at work, so worst time to start a podcast. I've had three months off and I uh, decided to start a podcast just as I go back to work. But, you know, it's not too bad. I can commute on the bike, so it's an, it's another reason to to get out put some miles on the thing mm-hmm. so today's podcast uh, um, leading on from what you've said really there about going back to work uh, if you're listening back to this maybe uh, in the future this is being recorded um, partway through the coronavirus pandemic um, so it's something James and I have been talking about doing for a while and now seemed like as good a time as any to uh, to launch this so this afternoon's episode is going to be focusing really on firstly what we did Uh, at the start of lockdown, so how we kept ourselves busy, uh, what little bike riding we managed to do, um, what we have been able to do since the lockdown has slightly eased in the UK, uh, and what we're going to be doing going forward, and hopefully we'll give you guys some good ideas for things that you can do on your bikes at the moment. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Ross, what have you been up to in, during and after lockdown? Well, to be honest, James, my, uh, my main bike... Uh, is a WR250F, as you know. And to be honest, for the first few weeks of lockdown, uh, it didn't even come out of the barn once. I just left it there. Um, took it out after a few weeks, kicked it over, rode it around the farm a little bit, but that was about it. Um, so my two-wheeled action for the first probably six weeks or so of lockdown was uh, exclusively pedal-powered. So um been getting out mountain biking an awful lot, trying to get fit, uh, and... I'm hoping that that's going to have uh, set me in good stead for when we do start getting out on powered two wheels a bit more. I was going to say, now you've started riding again on motorbikes. How do you reckon? Do you reckon that's helped? Oh, undoubtedly. I think um, right, there's, a, there's an article on the 9to5 ADV blog that I wrote recently about using mountain biking as a method for uh, improving your off-road riding. And yeah, just from a fitness standpoint, from a bike control standpoint, uh, mountain biking, I think, is a really invaluable tool in uh, improving your off-road riding. Something I'm trying to encourage you to do. Yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, I think it's something we'll cover as well in an episode coming up because um, it's a pretty good topic. Um, there's a million and one ways of improving your adventure riding, but I think that listening to you, Ross, it, this is a, a lot of bang for your buck in terms of confidence, skill, and control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Uh, 
a motorbike is going to cost you minimum a couple of grand, right, to get something that's capable and safe to ride off-road. Um, and some bikes, even more than that. A mountain bike, you can pick up from as little as two or £300, uh, maybe less if you're really happy to scour the classifieds. And you can develop your skills hugely on them. So, yeah, that's the, the main thing I was doing during uh, the initial part of lockdown was getting out of my bike, trying to get fit. And, um, yeah, just looking forward to uh, being able to meet up with you again and go riding. <laughs> yeah, which we did. When was it? It was uh, Wednesday a few, about a month, almost a month ago now, I'd, when we were allowed to ex- go out for an unlimited distance to exercise with one other person. Yeah, and that was the weird thing, right, is it was strict orders. You were allowed to meet up with one person from one other household, and uh, I was so honoured that you chose me <laughs> as your uh, your designated riding partner. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was the other way around. You texted me Yeah, fair. You know, Wednesday morning, let's go, let's do this. And... Um, it was great to be back on two wheels. I thought I'd be a lot worse, a lot rustier than I was. Um, the only problem, um, and you guys at home will know if you if you trail ride at all and you did go out, is byways have just been full of walkers and dog walkers and horse riders. And, you know, people have been out exercising more than usual. So it's making trail riding for us a little, a little more difficult than usual. But it seems to have quieted down in the... In the more recent weeks, people are, you know, not traveling so far. They've got less, you know, they don't have to keep themselves entertained by thinking, oh, what's down this lane, you know? Yeah, I think that was the, the funny thing is I've always considered myself quite a, an outdoorsy person. I, you know, run, cycle, um, green lane all the time. It's like my main hobby. And I was astonished as soon as the UK was put into lockdown, suddenly everyone in the UK seemed to be like a Boy Scout or a Mountaineer. You go out running <laughs> in the morning and you come across goodness knows how many people that would never have been there ordinarily, um, which I think is great in general. Don't get me wrong for the UK. I think if this um, can lead to some behavioral changes and people getting outdoors, being fitter and healthier, I think that's a great thing. But absolutely from the green laning perspective, it was weird going along the lanes that we were very used to riding a few months earlier and having to stop and wait five or six times for groups of people. Um, but the uh, on the other hand, everyone was super friendly, and you could just tell everyone was so happy to be allowed out um, and to meet up with some other people, so that was nice. Yeah, that was the main thing. I mean, it's been busier than, than it ever has been out on, on trails, but everyone has... We've not had a grumpy person once, and I know they're out there, but... Yeah, we found them <laughs> in the past, haven't we? But no, yeah. no, everybody's great, and... This is the thing. I think if you you know if you're respectful and you you stop, you switch off your engines for horse riders and things. It goes to show that everybody can get along and enjoy the th- trails together. Um, one thing though that was easier when we got out was the terrain compared to. I think the last time we rode was then back in early March and we'd had a really wet winter and the lanes were just absolutely um, torn to pieces, weren't they? Through winter, almost unrideable in some places. And getting out on them when they were dry um, was a bit of a treat. Oh, totally different. Completely chalk and cheese. I mean, we went out. One of the last ones we did was a a really washed out, steep trail hill hill climb that we spent most of the morning trying to get all the bikes up, actually. We could have just turned around, but we thought, no, let's let's do this. (laughs) Whether that was the best decision or not, I don't know. But yeah, going out back out in 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 the warm weather, with it all dry and dusty and 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 hard compacted it's 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 great unless you're riding behind the person in front 
in which case you can't see a thing yeah absolutely <laughs> i remember i was in behind you and i think you were just doing it deliberately getting on the throttle spinning up that rear tire and at some points yeah could not see a thing i feel very sorry for my air filter at the moment i should probably take it out and give it a clean <laughs> So outside of riding, back when you were properly locked down, and I suppose now as well, when a lot of people are still in lockdown or semi-lockdown, what you know, what did you did you go up to anything at home, or what what would you suggest that people can do at home? Well, I mean, I was probably guilty of being a little bit lazy on the uh, on the actual motorcycle front. I watched a lot of uh, like YouTube videos, uh, a few bike movies, those sort of things in the evenings. But uh, yeah, in the daytime, didn't do as much as I perhaps should have. Um, I think you were probably a bit better at getting uh, up close and personal with your bike uh, and trying to learn a little bit more about it, which perhaps I should have done with mine. What did you uh, What did you find yourself doing? Yeah, so um, completely right there. I got the so I ride a uh, Yamaha Tenere 700 for those who don't know, which I picked up uh, one of the first ones to pick up last year. Uh, which actually happened just before I got married. So I rode it for about a week and then didn't ride it for about a month and then um, aggressively trail rode it ever since. So any time I spent riding the bike, not actually looking at the bike or working on the bike or learning about the bike, it was just spent in the saddle. So the lockdown period was actually really good for me. Um, I did a lot of, did a deep clean. I bought a tail tidy, which was a lot of fun um, because you've got to take off a lot of the rear end uh, do a lot of wiring and bits which is which is really um really good to just get under the skin of the bike and just sort of discover how it works how it ticks how it's made how it comes together how it comes apart really important things because i think a lot of people the the notion of taking your brand new motorcycle apart i mean that was you know one of the like you said one of the very first t7s probably in the country and for you to have ridden it from day one off-road dropped it and all sorts and then taking it apart for a lot of people the thought of doing that with a brand new motorcycle is completely alien you think you know look after it treasure it if it needs anything doing take it to the dealership but you've kind of done the exact opposite uh, i believe you had the bike off-road within was it five miles of collection three miles with the pdi miles yeah it was it was about it was about five miles actually yeah because you you told me where the nearest very nearest lane was and you thought this would be great for instagram yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I thought, well, how many Tenere's are literally going to have been taken off-road almost straight out the dealership door? And um, the dealership here in Exeter, there is a green lane out in one of the villages. It's not a particularly easy one either. It's a, it's a fairly loose hill climb. And I said to you, I said, look, it's two miles down the road in Shillingford. Go and take the Tenere there. Get a photo of your odometer with it on the lane. And yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like five miles. Um, but going back to that, yeah, taking the bike apart, did you find that challenging or easier than you thought harder than you thought is it something you will do again or would you recommend other people at least give it a go or do you think nah actually terrible idea leave it to the professionals that are paid to do it so i think this is a really good opportunity um particularly you know if you're still furloughed if you're still off work and you've got time and you've got a whole day uh, least to devote to these things it, it's quite daunting you know when when i was doing the tail tidy uh, a lot comes off and as you take a bit off you put it on the floor you put the bolts next to it and then you read the next instruction and you take the next bit off and then there's another set of bolts that you put on the floor next to it and then all this starts stacking up and you start thinking how the hell am i going to remember which bolts go where you know do i need to start like do i need a big sheet of paper down with and then like 
put the bolts on it and then draw a circle around them and it can get quite daunting but i suppose if you're not used to it then just start with you know start with one thing yeah i think you're absolutely right i think the key with any of this is just being methodical with it taking everything off in an order laying it out um and then it'll go back together simply no problem at all you know you don't have to start with a massive project just you know just one you know one panel off put it back on and then and then go from there build it up from there it's um don't let it be a daunting experience work within your own within your own comforts and you'll slowly get better i, I suppose in a better way of doing this as well if if you're not sure is to actually get out your manual uh now i know a lot of bikers when they pick up a bike won't touch the manual unless maybe you've got a big bmw and you've got a whole book devoted to electronics uh but i know i barely looked and touched manuals of the bikes that i've had um and again with the Tenere 700 the first time i got the manual out was last week when i adjusted the chain i just wanted to get the figure for the recommended chain slack for the bike and i ended up you know you turn to the next page oh well here's something else i can look at and there's a lot of information in there and a lot of different maintenance things that you can do and play with um that you know uh, is safe enough for you to to explore and you've got that 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 safety blanket of you've got it written in front of you by the manufacturer every step of what you need to do um i ended up just playing around and um adjusting my suspension um and a few other little bits yeah, I think it's a good point, actually, with the manual. I'm, I'm exactly the same. I'll admit that the last few bikes I've bought, the manual has just stayed in the folder with the bike stuff and never come out. But I think it's worth remembering that if the manufacturer, who are the most risk-averse party in all of this, have put it in the user manual, it's pretty safe to assume that the average rider can at least have a crack at uh, what's in there. If, they, if, the, if the manufacturer doesn't think... You're, the average rider is capable of doing it they will not put it in the manual they'll simply put a note saying take this to your nearest yamaha suzuki honda dealer um for a trained technician to do it moving on from that if you're you know i mean if you're listening to this i'm assuming you're an adventure bike rider and being an adventure bike rider you are putting the bike into sometimes you know especially if you're riding off-road adverse situations uh, even if you're just mainly a road adventure bike rider, you're still putting the bike through its paces and, and you know spending a long time in the saddle in different conditions. And so learning some basic repairs can you know can be trip saving. Uh, one of the main ones I would say would be changing a tire. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that a lot of people will think, oh, crikey, do you not need a tyre machine or something to, to change that? The nice thing with most adventure bikes is they run tubed tyres rather than tubeless. So the big advantage of an inner tube is you can simply remove it, change it for a new one on the trail and carry on your way. All you need with you is a way of pumping the tyres back up afterwards and a way of getting that tyre off. And that's just the case. Uh, the, all you need for that is a couple of big tyre levers. Most of us as kids... Um, will have taken tyres and off a bicycle and changed inner tubes on that. Fundamentally, it's the same job, just a little bit more um, brute force required, I think. Yeah, and it's a daunting thought, uh, especially you know, on a big adventure bike that you spent a lot of money on, the idea of taking such a big component off it and, and doing something to it. Um, so it's it's a really good idea to, you know, if you've got the time, you've 
got the garden or your driveway or whatever, get front wheel off. It's the easier wheel to get off. Um, get yourself some tire levers if you haven't got them already off the internet. Uh, sit in your garden, get a cup of tea, get YouTube or whatever you choose to find on the internet as your guide and 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 learn how to do it. Yeah, have a go at it because you're far better off doing it in the comfort of your own home where if it does all go to pot or you're you're not confident or something you're not sure of, you can always just bung that wheel in the boot of your car and take it down to your local tyre fitter or bike shop and ask them to give you a hand with it. Most bike shops are super friendly um, and are going to lend you a hand. But, you know, best case scenario is it all goes well um, and you've learned a new skill that could potentially save your bacon one day on a... Either whether you're green laning and it's just to prevent you having the sort of mild inconvenience of having to wait for the AA to come, or you're in the middle of a desert somewhere and if you uh, don't change that tyre, you die. You get hot. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, another uh, repair that I've personally come across uh, is changing clutch plates. Now, Your specialty. My specialty. Now... I've had two Triumph Tiger 800s in my time. Yeah, that I bought a brand new Tiger 800 2015 um, when it came out, the top spec model. Uh, this is when I first got into adventure bikes, and I thought, you know, I want to get a, a dual. I want, I want a, a, a Land Rover Defender of motorcycles, and that in itself shows how naive I was to you know to <laughs> pick a brand new tiger 800 <laughs> yeah um so i bought the bike i went up to the trail quest off-road center which at the time was triumph's official off-road adventure center rode the bikes around for a day we've got some good training on tigers with proper tires set up to do this so that wasn't on your no that wasn't on your that wasn't on your own no, tiger so it was on their their tiger 800s which i think were running the caro threes so much more kind of trail trail friendly proper tires proper off road tires yeah. sure uh came back found a green lane uh had it's a lovely lane this nice shallow descent into a valley and then a nice steep hill climb with a with a hairpin halfway up and i got to that hairpin and if there's one thing they teach you about hill climbs is don't stop halfway up and that's what i did and burnt those those clutch plates out quite quickly uh, I just managed to turn it around, get it back up that that shallow hill after fiddling with the clutch cable and limping it back to back to the dealership. And after a pretty costly labor and parts uh, bill, I had the bike working again. Um, when I got around to getting my second Tiger a few years later, I was doing some, I was obviously a lot better at trail riding, but I was riding it pretty hard. And again, had a time out where you know i was riding the clutch pretty hard i came back and i thought this is starting to slip i need to change these plates uh, but instead of getting the dealership to do it i ordered them myself uh i looked online to see how how to do it it didn't seem impossible and could be done in the garage because the guy on youtube was doing it in his garage uh so i sat out it took me about probably about two three hours actually i just wanted to make sure it was done properly and if you did it now, it would probably take you half the time, right? Oh, definitely. 100%. 100%. Because, you, you know, you're t- changing clutch plates. You're taking engine casings off. And that is daunting at the best of times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember the first time I took just the covers off the WR to do an oil change. And 
you just you you're terrified that what's going to fall out of the engine or are you going to put it back together in the right order and um yeah is the bike going to ride properly and it's a real sense of um trepidation in doing it but i think you're absolutely right once you've done it a couple of times you realize they're they're fairly simple things and yeah and i could i could put that put the tenere on its side and change the clutch clutch plates in the middle of in the middle of a trail no problem and i i think i do think that's a valuable it's tricky because you you know you don't want to waste an afternoon taking the casing off and pulling the clutch plates out just to put them back in again but i feel but it's not not a waste of an afternoon if it saves you down the line right yeah true yeah i mean if you're if you feel your clutch is slipping anyway and it then crack on do it do it now while you're not riding the bike and a lot of um there's clutch upgrade kits for a lot of bikes right because i think of the thing to make clear when you did your tiger you didn't just replace the clutch the second time around with standard triumph parts no so i went with the barnet clutches which are upgraded the springs are much tougher uh and much more suited for for off-road riding so at in it definitely improved the bike so you know there's an argument there just to just to swap it swap your plates out and springs for something you know you're getting the you're learning how to do it and you're getting a better better clutch setup and you know especially if you're going to be doing you know tet riding or off-road riding and if you're going away for a few weeks you've got luggage you've got a bike that's more heavily laden than usual it's going to be much more likely that you will burn your clutch out somewhere yeah definitely and um you mentioned earlier that you'd uh, you'd recently fiddled around with your suspension. Have you completely ruined the ride of your bike? Is it now just like sitting on a pogo stick, or do you think it's made an improvement? It's definitely made an improvement. It's it's getting there. It's not something that you can, especially as you know, just a layman like 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 us. It's not something that you can like just you. <laughs> speak for yourself. It, but it's not something that you can just tweak, and then it's ready to go. It's something that you've got a you've got to set and then you've got to go out you've got to ride you've got to feel the feedback and then you've got to learn how that feedback then should be translated into tweaking it a bit more and again there are so many guides online um and youtube videos of of guys that will tell you okay well if your back wheels you know a bit juddery or this or that then it's probably you should probably tweak this or tweak that with when it comes to like your preload and 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 such um and you know it's just something that needs a bit tweaking but it's such a a huge change that you can make on your bike you don't have to necessarily buy and upgrade your suspension but just tweaking that if the bike's got adjustable suspension then 100 percent spend some time on tweaking it yeah i agree entirely i'd say one thing to do when something i've always done when adjusting suspension is ride the same patch of trail or road between adjustments so there's no point in riding down a really rocky descent thinking oh i need to change the suspension and then going and riding a a really smooth rolly um flat piece of trail because you're not going to know whether or not the changes you made on that part um, are going to have made any difference so i would ride up and down exactly the same patch of trail and then make your adjustments and to start with i'd make quite big adjustments personally so that you le- start to understand what has changed and from there dial it back yeah that's that's a really good point and i, I suppose i mean that's pretty much it of what you can what we would recommend you do at home the only other thing is is buying accessories um you know like like i said i bought the tail tidy which got me to you know take quite a lot of 
panels and and such and play with the wiring on the bike you know all these things that we're suggesting is is more it's just one-on-one time with outside of the norm with your bike in a safe environment where you've got the time and it's not like you necessarily have to jump on that bike to go to work the next morning um if that is you know your only mode of transport for example you've got time learn to just get to know the bike and it will make a world of difference when you're out whether it's like ross said just just green laning for the day or going for a blast on a nice country road or you're going away for two weeks or a month so that's stuff we can do at home when we're not riding our bike uh let's talk now james a bit about stuff that we can actually do on the bike at the moment now this is going to change depending on what country you live in within the united kingdom whether you're in wales scotland northern ireland or england because we've all got slightly different rules that none of us really understand um but most of us can get out on our bikes now either whether that's solo or with a couple of friends or with one friend uh what do you think people could be doing now because we can't go on these big trips we can't go camping how can you keep the kind of riding still adventurous yeah i guess is what i'm getting at so at time of recording this we currently can go out and travel unlimited distance for exercise which motorcycling is classed as exercise so that's fine but we can't stay stay over everywhere so anywhere so no matter what we do we've got to be back for bed i think that's due to be changing next month so we'll talk about what we can do trips in a second but in terms of what we can do during a day i suppose one of the big ones which is which is fun is interesting is is practicing navigation techniques now most people will be using a garmin or you know we use a we use our phone as a sat nav in a in a in a phone case but you know especially if you're going to go on a bit of an adventurous trip you're going to come across situations where you might need to use a paper map or you might have to just use road signs you know especially a lot of modern riders these days it's easy to forget how to how to navigate because you're just told to do so so even things like reading an os map from a tank bag is a lot trickier than you might think yeah when you're riding at speed trying to read a map is really tricky and actually it's it's a really good point because i think we've arguably become so reliant on the technology that we've got and it's fantastic when you've got phone signal and battery and it does mean you can tick off way more lanes than normal because you can just follow google map straight to the next lane etc etc but actually there's probably a lot of fun to be had in trying to plan out a proper paper route follow it properly Um, i know that's exactly what we did back in last year when we did the taffy dakar and it was so much fun actually just planning the route the night before pouring over laminated os maps uh, and highlighting routes so uh, yeah definitely i think there's there's something a lot of people could do um with that yeah speaking of events as well um especially if you you're into uh like the dakar or if you're a member of rally motor for example then you'll know about roadbook um navigation which um is a rally style of navigation if you've not come across it before give it a google rally moto's got a free downloadable guide which teaches you how to use it they've also done a an at-home navigation which uses an os map and and a bunch of roadbook navigation points to sort of at home route yourself around and find where you're meant to end up but now's a good time to to learn how to do that uh, uh, while on two wheels if you haven't before or even if you have before uh, uh, you know brush up on your skills uh 
a lot of roadbook well main roadbook uses a device which you then turn the paper a paper set of instructions but you can also get phone apps if you've got a phone case you can get phone apps which you can then plug in you can make your own or even you know get friends to make one or make one and you all go out together it's a it's a really fun way to ride uh that relies on a lot of looking at where you are going looking out for landmarks you mix it in with road and and off-road if if you're trail riding and it's a it's a great way to spend the day really frustrating way to get lost though if you miss a turning and you try oh, to yeah, yeah. retrace your way back and yeah you're thinking yeah no it's frustrating but um what about people listening to the channel james that maybe haven't ridden off-road yet so they're hearing us talking about green nailing and they're just like yeah but hang on how do i even get into that i've bought whatever bike it is an adventure bike a tiger a tenere an older bike a trail bike um what would be your top tips for just getting started because it's it's a daunting process right yeah uh now's a good time to do so don't do what i did don't don't a don't go out on a brand new bike with road tires uh b don't go out on your own c no, I think it's just those two, really. Don't be James. <laughs> don't, don't do, just don't, don't do what James did. Just don't do did. what I did. Yeah, um, I think you're absolutely right. Like, go, if you can, and not everybody will be able to, but if you can go out with a couple of friends, especially if they are experienced, that's great. Even if they're not experienced, the chances of you getting into trouble seems much slimmer if you've at least got the combined knowledge and effort of two or three people. At least if you do get yourself stuck somewhere, there's going to be a buddy there to help you out. Um and like James said, don't go out on, if you can help it on a brand new bike, you're very precious over on road tires, make sure you've got the right equipment for the job. So if you've got an adventure bike, at least make sure your tires are up to the um, conditions you're riding in. Luckily right now, it's pretty dry everywhere. So some trails you will get away with road tires, but if you can upgrade them, I would definitely do that. Um, There's a lot more leniency. I mean, the last thing you want to do is is be put off um my brother bought uh, an africa twin um earlier this year and he wanted to to go out and give it a shot and he went out by himself didn't have the right tires on the bike went down snapped a bunch of panels on this this it wasn't a new bike but you know he just just bought it and it was still a lot of money though wasn't it you know and and he and he loves it and yeah and it puts you you know it put him off and oh i'm not sure if i want to do this and it took a lot of convincing from me to say no just you know we'll we'll get some new tires on and then we'll go out together and trust me you will love it so the last thing you want to do is go out you know come off i mean you will come off but come off and feel like an idiot and then pack it in yeah absolutely and i think another thing with that is making sure that the trail you decide to start on is suitable the first lanes we ever rode were some that that i found uh, by chance and they were completely flat weren't they um just dusty farm tracks effectively where even if you did fall off the chance of damage is very minimal but they were very easy but it still gave you the experience of being able to break traction with the rear feel the front the front brake locking up um standing up on the bike and absorbing bumps that sort of thing so you know if you can read an os map and it it should be fairly obvious on an os map whether or not something is going to be steep uh, if you can find something fairly flat, fairly wide, if you know some local farm tracks or something like that, then I, I definitely recommend starting on something like that. That's a really good point, yeah, of, in terms of finding green lanes. I There's an article on 9to5adv.com which explains using Google Maps and OS Maps how to find 
um, byways and green lanes, what to what to find, how to find them. Um, the best advice is to just join the TRF, the Trail Riders Fellowship. It's a £60 annual subscription and you then get in touch with your local area uh, TRF group and most of the time they will have a well-researched map of every single legal lane that you can you are allowed to ride on obviously a lot of people will want to test the water before they before they you know go out and and pay pay that money which is totally fine uh there's a pretty easy way of doing that using like i said google maps and os maps just check out the article on the website but what ross was saying about farm tracks if you find if you can see a section on google maps which has got lots of farm fields with with little roads dotted between the fields there's a good chance that a lot of them there'll be country roads there'll be muddy roads dusty roads and then you'll have byways and trails through the middle of them as well so good chance even just easy stuff before you start hitting the real trails that's a good place to start looking so it's looking um, unlikely that your planned trip with your brother to Spain is going to go ahead, partly because he smashed his bike up by the sound of things. <laughs> but uh, also, yeah, just travel restrictions at the moment. I mean, Europe is seeming to slowly open up to us. However, at the moment, we're still looking like coming back to the UK is then going to be an issue. So uh, what have you got planned for the the rest of the year? What do you think is going to be realistic? Yeah, so... It's really annoying, um, as you know. If you listen to the trailer, we're having a we're having a baby, um, and that's coming in November. So this year was going to be the big uh, adventure bike year. I was going to go out and do a lot of trips. I was going to do a couple of weeks down in Spain with my brother, spend the year doing uh, riding the Tet with him, teaching him to how to ride off road, getting us both used to riding together, riding all different manner trails, buying the kit, learning how to use the kit, pack the kit, then go and do this big trip, come back, have the baby, be, a, sober. be a content dad. <laughs> but unfortunately that... Pack that, in the motorcycling forever. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately that that um, isn't happening anymore because of lockdown, so I'm going to have to keep riding after the baby's born. <laughs> but So yeah, I'm working under the assumption that no international travel to europe or whatever so some uk tech maybe uk tech that's what i'm planning on planning on doing uh this is obviously if you're planning if your style of adventure riding includes trail riding uh the tet yeah, is, we should probably explain what that is yeah. yeah so anyone who doesn't know it's called the trans euro trail it's a huge it's like fifty thousand, fifty-eight thousand kilometers of of trail well, it's a mix of road and trail that goes through all of the European countries in one huge loop. So, for example, England's got a section that goes from the north of England, comes all the way down through the country, loops around the southwest, and then hops back out. Uh, I think there's got a Dover ending and a Southampton ending, so you can just sort of hop, and Plymouth as well. So you can sort of hop onto a ferry, then hop down to France and or Spain and carry on the route. So you could, in theory, loop the whole of Europe on this, on this tet. It's all volunteer-driven. Uh, there's linesmen in each country that come up with the route. It's fantastic if you ever think you're going to be getting into sort of trail riding. You know, you don't have to go to Mongolia to feel adventurous. I mean, we did some tech last year, and it feels, even though you know where you are, you know, are, you know, no more than half an hour from a main road, but you think, I feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. This is, this is great. Yeah, because ultimately, if something goes wrong there, 
okay, you're not in the middle of a desert, but the consequence is still pretty high. If you're stuck down a valley and you break your leg or damage your bike or something, it's going to take some some logistical effort to get you back out of there safely um, with your bike, isn't it? It's pretty much the most adventurous thing I think you can do in this country. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. You can do little sections. You can make your own little loop from it. The um, the southwest section is actually designed so you can do it in like one in one big loop. Wales is probably the I would say is the best section of the Tet. Yeah, I mean Wales in general for especially I think for adventure bikes. When we went last year, that that's the thing I realized when we went there was that the terrain they have there suits the bigger bikes far better than the stuff we've got in the southwest mm. it tends to be quite narrow quite rocky a lot of like little valleys and streams here um whereas in wales a huge amount of it was just massive open fire trails over the mountains um it's sort of place where a bigger adventure bike really comes into its own yeah there was some fantastic just visually and you know some of the best stuff wasn't technical riding but just you're like you said you're you you're on the top of a hill or, or in a valley and it's just it's gravel or it's it's a bit bumpy but it's just you just can't stop looking at the view it's just it's got everything it's great but if you're if you're tetting then you want to be camping i like you the want... fact you've turned tet into a verb now <laughs> that's great <laughs> to tet yeah to tet but if, if you're gonna do that you've got to camp you you know it's it's the proper way to do it, really, isn't it? Yeah, so um, this is what I'm going to be doing. I think I think July the 4th is the what they reckon people are going to be able to start, start camping again. So uh, I'm definitely going to jump jump on that pretty quickly. Dartmoor, where we are, down here in Devon, is the only place in England where you can legally wild camp. So heading up there, I've not strapped the bike up for, for camping equipment yet, so that's one thing I'll be learning to do as well. Scotland as well. Um, has a right to roam so you can wild camp in scotland uh, there's some great wilderness up there uh, which is a uh, another thing that i want to touch on which is you know why don't you do a trip to you know some of the most remote and adventurous places in the country this again works if, even if you're just going to be road adventure riding as opposed to road and off-road and wales is beautiful scotland is fantastic you know, especially when you get right up into the highlands, you get different. You get such a change in weather. You're in the middle of nowhere. It's there's some really, really remote places. You really feel like you're in a in a different world. And then the Lake District and the Peak District. The I think these four areas are the places to go and and check out. Yeah, I think people take for granted, don't they? They think that the beauty they've got on their doorstep in this country, especially. I mean, whenever I've been up to the highlands, I've been very lucky with the weather. Whenever I've been granted. I know it can be a god awful place when uh, when it's raining, but I genuinely believe the Scottish Highlands are as beautiful a place as anywhere else on earth. Yeah, and I I lived in Edinburgh for three years, and I I neglected to make the most of my time up there and go up. So I'm I I will probably make my way up there this year. Cool. So um, rest of the week, James, plans? Anything on this week? Uh, it's back to work for me. Unfortunately, as I'm sure a lot of our, a lot of these listeners will be as well now that shops are back open. Uh, I'm going to try and ride as much as I can. I'm going to, I've still got to play around with the suspension and get it to where I need it to be. Although it's meant to be thunderstorm in the next two days, so I might drive. And then probably, what do you think? Should we go out for a trail ride on, on the weekend? 
Well, I'll need to yeah, get my uh, get my puncture fixed. You still fix that yet? Take some of my own advice and change <laughs> change my tire on the rear. That's a good idea. Actually, I come round because I've I've not learned how to change a tire yet. Okay, well we can make a video on it. You can. Um, that's a good idea. You can make a nice cup of coffee and great we'll idea. Learn to change the tire. Yeah, um, we were supposed to go out greening last week, weren't we? And yeah i went down uh, it was like the the lamest adventure day ever i went down realized the bike had a slow puncture so instead we rode into exeter and walked around town until we could find, the, find one, coffee the, shop. the one coffee shop that would make us a flat white <laughs> yeah but it was worth it it was worth it it was really nice you said we should start a podcast that's true actually that was yeah <laughs> well there we go the puncture <laughs> led to the podcast exactly see punctures like we were saying earlier learn how to change a tire Otherwise, you'll end up starting, starting a, a podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I um, I think that's it for episode one. Yeah, absolutely. 40 minutes, exactly what I said we, we, we should do. So hopefully you've listened all the way to the end. Next week, we are going to talk all things Tenere 700. So I'm going to do a big review on the bike. I know it's just come out in America um i'm getting a lot of traffic on the website from people who are finding the articles on on accessories and and my reviews and the mods so ross has spent a bit of time on the demo uh oh yeah ross works at a a motorcycle dealership uh which is actually where we're recording yeah so absolutely so yeah when we have we are we are a yamaha dealer so um i know the i don't know the bike as intimately as james but i've spent a fair bit of time around it um We've we've sold an awful lot of them here. the The UK stock situation is getting pretty dire now, so that's quite interesting. We'll talk a bit about that. But um, it's yeah, it's been a great bike, and um, I think James's opinions on it are far more valid than mine because ultimately, I think you've got the facts, and I've got the feelings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I yeah, I know a lot about it, but I'm undoubtedly biased. Whereas you spent your own money, you didn't get a deal on them or anything. You got you had to pay like the full retail money for it because that was the only way to get one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can rest assured James's thoughts are completely unbiased. And if you think something on the bike is not great, he will tell you. Yeah. And one thing I will say, I'm in no way endorsed by Yamaha because I tagged them in every picture on Instagram and they haven't even liked one, let alone. I tried to get you a free t-shirt and uh, Chris Gander (laughs) at Yamaha was like, nah, not even giving him that. Ridiculous. I mean, the amount of bikes that I've personally sold for him exactly i mean you were mr kando <laughs> exactly anyway um so thanks thanks for tuning in everyone we've got some affiliate links in our bio if you've read any of my reviews or or some of the articles on the website uh we're affiliate marketers for a few different websites if you're in the uk there's sports bike shop if you're in the us there's revzilla basically if you're going to buy anything uh if you click through from one of those links in the description then anything that you buy we get a little bit of commission back it doesn't cost you a penny but it's a great way to support the show uh and pay for this equipment that i went out and bought on a whim um going on for next week if you want to get in touch for any reason whatsoever sign up to the newsletter on the website send us an email nine to five adv at gmail.com it'd be great to hear from you it'd be great to hear some suggestions of how you would like the podcast to go and which direction you'd want us to take um you can find me over on instagram at nine to five adv and you'll find me if you're interested at devonshire underscore biker Uh, lots of motorcycle and mountain biking pickies on there brilliant i think that'll do it keep adventuring everyone and we will speak to you next week bye bye 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.